the so-called negative approach, which is a philosophical term for a branch of philosophy, comes down to one very simple principle, and the simple principle is the principle of non-interference. Interference is something we can't help doing. We're compulsive interferers. We're always interfering. We don't know how to not interfere. And if you pointed out to me the fact that I am compulsively interfering with everything the whole time, and that this is making my situation more painful for me, more trapping for me, then all I'm going to do is that I'm going to try to interfere with my own interfering so as to try and stop myself interfering so much. And we can see that this is my only option from where I'm sitting, from the point of view that, I'm, that I've got. Not only am I, not only are we all compulsive interferers, we also don't know how to do anything else. Now in our society we have this idea, and it's the idea of um, successful interference. Only we don't use the word interference, of course. But what successful interference means even though we don't use the word, is that I interfere but get a good result, the right result, the result that I most want to get. So we laud successful interference. It's the most important thing in the world to us. And to have the title of being a successful interferer is the best we can achieve in the, in this society. There's no higher accolade, even though we don't use the word interfere. We might talk about um, purposeful doing, possibly, but not, not interfering, definitely. But we are interfering. Of course we're interfering, there's nothing we can deliberately, purposefully do that doesn't constitute an interference. Things are one way and I want to change them to be a different way, a better way. What I see as being a better way, which is the crucial thing. I see it as a better way, maybe it isn't, maybe it's the worst way. So we could also talk about improving. So I'm in a particular situation. I look around and I see that the situation is improving. So I go ahead and do this. And this is the very essence of interference. Now the thing is that we are, of course, obliged to interfere a lot in life. We're put in this position that where if we don't, put ourselves out to 
be in control of what happens, then we aren't going to survive very long. So purposeful activity constitutes an essential part of life. We could say it's interference we can't avoid doing. We can't avoid doing it unless we just give up entirely and just sit there maybe. Even though that's not entirely true, but we'll come to that a bit later. So there is a degree of purposeful activity that is needed. But when we're talking about psychological matters, then we can see much more clearly that to not interfere has hugely um, better effect, a hugely better effect than interfering. It doesn't matter what it is, we're only going to make it worse. So why is that, we might ask? It doesn't make sense. But the thing is that when we interfere, obviously we have an idea of how things should be, which means we have an idea. And having an idea means we have a, essentially a model or a theory or a hypothesis about how things should be. So that's one point. And number two point, which follows hot on the heels of number one point, is there is no theory that we can come up with that will account for the whole of reality. Maybe a bit of reality here and there, but there is no theory, no theory exists to account for the whole of reality, for the whole of what's going on. So as soon as we interfere, or as soon as we engage in goal-orientated activity in the psychological sphere, we're automatically assuming that our theory does explain the whole of what's going on. And if it did, that would be fine. If we had exhaustive knowledge of what we are interfering in, the system that we are interfering in, which is ourselves, then that would not be interference. So, for example, supposing I have some kind of little thing that isn't working properly, it could be a watch, could be a mobile phone, could be a toaster, and I have exhaustive knowledge of how those devices work, which I can have, pretty much, and I can fix it, and no one's going to say, ah, oh, but you're interfering. I am interfering, but I'm interfering in such a way that I get the result that I want to have, so I don't call it interfering. It's not the same with more complex matters and who we are is the most complex matter of all, even though culturally we don't necessarily um, acknowledge this. Culturally we'd actually go the other direction and we'd say, we'd tend to say, mm. or rather imply, that we can understand everything about how the mind works or about how people works. The assumption being that we're, we're like machines, we're mechanical things. Mechanical things can be pinned down. Every aspect of how they operate can be written down, accounted for, described. And if you've got some sort of a thing that can't be accounted for, described, and understood rationally, then that thing isn't a machine. It's not a mechanical process. 
That doesn't mean that it doesn't exist, however, because ultimately everything is a non-mechanical process. The universe came into being <clears throat> via a non-mechanical process. The universe as a whole is non-mechanical, it's spontaneous. And what does spontaneous mean? It, it, it means something happens and there's no clue of how it happened. There's no set of rules, there's no condition that makes the thing happen. If there was, then that would be goal-orientated behaviour. So I have an idea of the goal, I do something, and I arrive at the goal. So I set up the conditions to create a particular outcome. But the universe operates on a spontaneous basis. It, there's no one there setting rules, making rules, enforcing rules, auditing whether those rules have been... The universe does not work on a bureaucracy. It's not... It works in a much, in an infinitely simpler way, but also an infinitely inscrutable way. It does what it does because it does it, and there's no way to get behind that and see why it does it. That's what spontaneous means. It means that something just arises. What do we know? We know that it arises. We don't know anything else. We don't need to know anything else. Why did the universe arise? We can make up lots of theories and say, oh well, there are causes and conditions. This happened, therefore that happened. But that kind of talk is merely to put our minds at rest so we don't have to contemplate what Umberto Echo calls the great enigma. We want everything to be nice and understandable and familiar to us. We don't want to be clapping eyes on the great enigma. We don't want to acknowledge the true nature of spontaneous appear behavior, spontaneous um, processes. Because although it's easy to say, oh, she's very spontaneous, or he's very spontaneous, we don't want to know what that means. What it actually means is it's all happening by itself and no one makes it happen. There's no forcing, there's no controlling, there are no rules. Which is a very, very simple idea. But to actually confront the, <clears throat> the, the fact or the idea that every one of us, each human being, is a spontaneous process at root, even though we can do deliberate things. So I can do deliberate things, but that doesn't mean that I'm not coming from a spontaneous place originally, because everything comes from a spontaneous place originally. So if each one of us is spontaneous, which means that we can't be explained by looking at some handy textbook of psychology or mechanics, then absolutely anything we do at all in order to try to make things better is pure interference. And as such, it is absolutely bound to be counterproductive.